We survive on the generosity of people. And as a nonprofit, Heartlight and Parenting Today's Teens exist to meet the needs of parents and teens in a broken world. And I don't have to tell you of all the platforms we've developed through the years to reach more and more people in need. So we count on folks like you to support our work. We help you, and hopefully you can help us. And whether that's a monthly gift, a one-time gift, or donation of anything, we use it all to promote and expand the capacity of the ministry to parents and teens. The pandemic caused us to have to put on our creative caps to come up with ways to raise more funds. And out of that creativity came the VIP events, special events that would include fishing trips and special entertainment and getaway excursions and specialty dinners and unique opportunities. Two things happened from these events. We raised the much needed funds for the ministry and we could spend time with friends and donors and parents and alumni and others that have an interest in our life's work. To find out more about these events and how you can participate in these memorable opportunities, please visit heartlightvip.events. That's www.heartlightvip.events. We would love to see you at one of these special events, knowing that our time together is helping change the lives of families everywhere. Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you as a parent gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston and Wayne Shepard dive into a topic that will challenge, encourage, and inspire you as you parent your teen. Let's listen in. Mark, what does it mean to be fired by your teenager? <laughs> yeah, fired by your teenager. When your teen looks at you and says, you know what? I don't want you in my life. Oh, yeah. I don't want you making decisions. I don't want you telling me what to do. You know what? I'm 16. I can do what I want. I can make it in the world. I don't need you anymore. And parents are devastated. That's right. Yeah. And that's when basically a child is looking at you saying, you know what? You're fired. I don't need you. I don't want you to be involved in my life. I don't want you to make comments. I don't want to hear your opinion. I mean, on and on and on. And what they're basically doing is saying, you know what, you're fired. Hmm. And and I think most of us as parents want to be engaged in the life of our kids and want to be active and want to be involved. And so it is absolutely devastating to parents when they hear their child move away from them and just say, you know what? I don't want it anymore. That's not what we signed up for when we brought that little package home from the hospital. Well, that's it? that's not, you know, and that makes you want to send the package back. <laughs> I mean, there's a part of it where you go, okay, there's something wrong here. And the tendency is most parents say, okay, I'm leaving. You know what? It may be the greatest opportunity that you have with your child. And I say that because I deal with struggling kids. I deal with parents who have been pushed off, have been pushed on, and been pushed down. And so many kids have just said, I don't want you anymore. And those that have chosen to just leave and disengage, it doesn't have a good ending. But those who have said, you know what, I'm going to love you and I'm going to remain in your life regardless of whether you want me to or not, or whether you like me or not, whether you love me or not, 
I'm going to be to you who God is to me, who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I've been fired three times in my life. You know, one, It's not fun, is no, it? No, it's not fun at all. The first time is when I was in ninth grade working for Tennessee Jeds, and it was a barbecue place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. Tennessee Jeds? Tennessee Jeds. <laughs> Bar- barbecue. And I, I worked so hard. I mean, I worked so hard. I was in the ninth grade. I got paid a dollar ten an hour, and um, which was great. Yeah. And this guy, I walked in to pick up my uh, paycheck for the week, and he goes, "Hey, I'm going to let you go." Uh, the old guy that used to have the job is coming back. Oh, how and, unfair! <laughs> and I remember in ninth grade saying, "Are you serious? You don't need me? Nope. You don't want me to come back? Nope." I said, "Have I not done a good job? Nope. That's not it at all." I just don't I just don't need you anymore. And I mean I was devastated. I remember riding my bike home. I had to ride about a mile and a half and ride my bike home. I just remember crying along the way and I didn't want anybody to see me crying sure. as I rode my bike. You know, it's devastating. It's devastating when you're in ninth grade. It's devastating when when somebody says, You know what, we've made some decisions and, and I don't want you here anymore. And, and it hurts uh, when our teens say it. Oh, us. it does. It does. You know, I went through an experience 20-some years ago, and this is kind of the story that I tell, where a friend of mine who uh, we were good friends and close, but we had been working together for a number of years, and he came up to me and said, hey, I need to talk to you. I've decided to let you go. And I thought he was joking. And I said, what do you mean, let me go? Hold me tighter. And, uh, and he goes, no, I've made a decision. I said, there's no discussion on this? We've been working together for seven years. And uh, he said, no, I've just decided to let you go. I mean, I was devastated. I, I felt the, those feelings of not being needed, rejection, of not being productive, a loss of value, a loss of my own identity. And I got to tell you, I questioned the decision for years. I moved to Texas where we started Heartlight. Um, and, uh, and I remember as we were clearing property and, and getting ready to build all these new buildings at three o'clock in the morning, I'd be out there clearing property as the kids went to bed. Um, and I, I just stopped the tractor and start crying because I, I felt the rejection for years. And so, so my comment parents is that I know what it feels like to have somebody look at you and say, you're fired. I don't need you anymore. When I was fired, we lived in Branson, Missouri, and the first person that came to our house was a dear friend named Joe White of Canicut Camps. And, um, uh, and he came in, and, uh, and he didn't say much, but he had these big bushy eyebrows, and he <laughs> looked at me, and, and his wife came over and, to console us. Because it was just uh, one day we were living what we would call high on the hog and, <laughs> and thinking that we had all these plans that we had lined out. Idealistic and ministry opportunities. It was. Yeah. And we, we thought we we're on top of the world. We are going to change the world from here. I mean, all of our plans were one thing. You know, and all of a sudden they were disrupted. And, and Joe walked in and his comment to me, he said, Mark, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened in your life. Did you believe him? I sat there and looked at him and I said, are you an idiot? I mean, I thought, are you crazy? Are you, do you know what just happened? And I sat there and I couldn't believe what he was saying. Just like many of you are probably going to say that when, when I say that a struggling child may be the greatest thing that's ever happened mm-hmm. in your life. And so we ended up leaving. We left the community that we thought was wonderful. We moved to a distant land where we knew nobody. I continued to be depressed for a number of years. And, um, uh, and Joe's father, Spike White, who died a few years ago, showed up, just pulled up on our property. 
And he had always been kind of a grandfather to me. And he pulled up and he said, uh, uh, well, Mark, have you thanked him yet? <laughs> and I looked at him and I thought he meant thanking God for what we were doing down in Texas mm-hmm. now as we started this new program for kids called Heartlight. And, um, and I said, thank too. And he said, thank the man that fired you. And it was almost like the, the message that Joe gave when Joe said, this is probably the greatest thing that's happened in your life. It was four or five years later that I understood what Joe was saying. It takes time. That's right. And, and so here's his dad now affirming that. Well, so the same way. I tell parents all the time, the struggle that you go through with the child, no matter what it is, when they have fired you, it may be the greatest opportunity that you have to work through difficulties, to work through hardships, to start something new, to shift the way that you engage with your child, to move on to a new place, to meet the needs of your child a little bit deeper, and to, and to walk in places that you've never walked before. I've got to tell you, firing was the hardest thing that has ever happened to me. But I tell you, it was the greatest thing that has ever happened to me as well. We really have to learn to trust God, even in the most difficult of circumstances, don't we? Oh, yeah. And that, you know what? That's easy to say. Yeah. That is hard to embrace, uh, but it's Been very there, easy that, to say. say. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's an email from a parent that I think fits into our conversation today. This parent says, my son has ODD and ADHD. His behavior, lack of respect for adults, and unwillingness to go to school is becoming a burden in my household. I'm a single parent of four children. My son is literally wearing me wearing out. Wearing me out. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a mother who's saying, you know what? This isn't what I expected. This isn't what I planned for. I mean, she says she's a single mom. Nobody really plans no. on that happening. Nobody plans for a child to be ODD or ADHD. Um, nobody plans for a child to be disrespectful or to wear them out. Children are supposed to be a blessing from the Lord. They're supposed to fill that quiver and, and make you feel proud. And this lady's probably sitting there going, you know what? I don't like this. Mm-hmm. What I have found that, that, that man has a way of, of, of charting plans mm-hmm. and charting his own course. That's what it says in Proverbs, That's as a matter right. of fact. But the Lord determines his steps. You know, it also says that, that many are the plans in a man's heart and in a mom's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I think that everything that comes to us passes first through the hand of God so that it may mold us more into his likeness and that it may move us in a way to be able to help other people. So I'm not saying that God creates all these problems or he makes all these things happen. But sometimes I wonder, because I see the goodness of it over a period of time, and it's almost like something was needed to change the hearts of men so that, the, so that God's purpose can prevail in our life. Your God may be using your child to change you. And you think it's about the child. Right. You know what? It's about you. But when you're in the middle of it, do you really want to hear that? No. (laughs) You've been there. I've been there. And I tell you, people will respond to me saying that as I looked at Joe White and said, you're crazy. (laughs) You know, it'll be the same response. But you look at Scripture and, and you look at the plans that God has for us. Do you not believe that everything that has come to you has first passed through the hands of God? Do you believe that God was ever 
not in control? Do you believe that he would want harm to come to us? He will take anything and use it to transform us more into his image and to use us in the lives of other people. I mean, he's a good God that that has a bigger picture mentality in mind, and that's what he's doing in this situation. In my limited view, when I was fired, my world came to an end. In his view, it was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I'd never be on the radio. I'd never write books. No telling what I would have done, you know, had I not been fired. I would have probably been miserable the rest of my life, you know. And what I've realized is by trusting God in that and listening to some bushy-haired guy tell me that this is the greatest thing in your life, I've learned that that when when bad things happen, God reigns and he moves to the top. So did you thank him? I did thank him. You know what? And I thank him all the time. And on every August 4th, the day that I was fired, that I remember so vividly, we celebrate at Heartlight. We have a celebration. And I, we get everybody and we all go out to eat. And I go, this is in honor of me being fired. What was bad one time, God took my mourning and, t- and turned it into dancing. He it. took the sadness and he turned it into joy. He took what I thought was ashes and what I felt like, you know, and turned it into beauty. And it was something good. Hey, I'm Art Gregston, and here with my good friend, Kirk Cameron, and we want to invite you to an event that we're calling Engage 23. It's going to be an amazing day of helping parents become empowered and equipped to face culture. I'm a father of six children, wow. so pray for me. And uh, and this Engage 23 is going to be awesome because things are so different now than they were when we were kids. And being able to adjust to all of these changes and maintain a healthy relationship with your kids has been really difficult. But I can't wait to share these principles with all of you. Let's work this thing out. Let's put some new tools in your parenting toolbox to help you to raise that family and to make sure that that whatever you're doing, it is changing the destiny of your family. Hope to see you guys there. When our teen rejects us, that may leave us wondering if God has left us to deal with these problems all on our own. I mean, it can be a very lonely and painful time. It is. It is. Because I think what people feel is rejection. You know, it's it's almost like everything that I have done to pour my life into somebody, when I'm offended by that, the tendency is I close those windows and just say, I'm walking away. I mean, that's, that's the normal response. When we've been hurt, when we've been criticized, when we've been rejected, it's easier just to say, you know what, no more. And, and that's type of a self-protection. And I understand why somebody would want to walk away. We all walk away from pain. But when we walk away from God's involvement with us, then we've taken it too far. You know, it's okay to walk away from pain. It's not okay to walk away from God because God's involvement in our lives is there to teach us a lesson along with the difficulty that we're going through. And if we don't learn that lesson, I really think we're going to have to go through the, an experience again. That's why I was fired three times. You know yeah, why? You I didn't, didn't learn. Because I didn't get it the first two You're times. A slow learner, Mark. That's right. That's right. Well, ninth grade is a little bit different. And what can you learn from a Tennessee Jed barbecue owner? So... Uh, you know, we're asking our parents listening today to take the long view. I know it's difficult in the yeah, midst of, the, of yeah. the rejection, but take the long view that this may be the best thing. This could be a turning point in that relationship. That's right, so. because you, it, the conflict is usually a precursor to change. 
when you look at conflict, it just didn't happen when things blew up. I mean, it's been going on for a while. And sometimes the conflict brings that out. And then something blows up and happens. Mm -hmm. You're on your way back to a different place. The problem is people don't know where you're supposed to go. They don't know the direction. Well, that's that's where the assurance is this, that man plans his steps, but God directs his path. His help is available. Yeah, it is. I mean, and so it tells us that even though that we have all this plan and all these ideas that we could put together God still reigns in our life, and even when we feel like he's not there, doesn't mean that he's gone. It just means we're not realizing it, and that's where we need to realize he will never leave us or forsake us. We receive many, many emails from listeners, uh, parents who are struggling, and you can reach us through our website, parentingtodaysteens.org. Here's another one. My son has been caught stealing, drinking, gambling, and smoking. He claims he hasn't done drugs, but I don't know if that is the case. We have sought medical help and still no improvement. I'm at my wit's end. I don't know where to turn anymore. All I want is the best possible solution to help him. Boy, that sounds like a a son that would do well in an old Western. You know, I mean, stealing, drinking, gambling, and smoking. And you look at them and you go, you know, is this just a stupid choice that a child is making? Or is it a coping mechanism? Yeah, what's driving that? That's right. And, and And I don't mean to joke about that. But I mean, but a lot of those activities that a child does is just they're experimenting a little bit. They're curious. They may be saying, I just want to just see what it's like on the other side. I go, I understand that. That's part of adolescence. But you know what? If it, and, it, and, and those may be those odd and stupid choices that I would call them. But it may be a coping mechanism. If a child is stealing because they want to find acceptance into a group, you know, then, then that's a bigger issue. If they're drinking to hide pain or to, uh, to escape a painful situation or, uh, or to become somebody that they're not, that's a different situation. To um, gamble, to smoke, sounds like this child's wanting to fit in somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so medical help, I don't know what medical help there is to help a child fit in with a group of people. What, what is needed is somebody to guide your child through the difficulties. And it may be that this child needs to go get counseling somewhere. Somewhere we need to shut the, the child's life down and say, you know what? You're fired from doing these things so that they can change, they can go through the conflict and then move on to somewhere good. You know, thinking about this conversation today, when our, when our teens reject us, we get fired by our teenagers. I wonder sometimes if we don't provoke that, that outburst. Do you think that's possible? I think we do. I mean, I think sometimes our kids feel like we're not understanding of their world. And so they go, we don't need you anymore. I mean, I think there's truly a side of it, especially as Christian parents. We hold to good standards and we hold to 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 want to bring our kids up in the way of the Lord and to build principles in their life and build values. But if kids feel like there's a strong disconnect and, and that parents don't understand the world they live in, then how is their solution going to help me in my world? What happens is kids just look at them and go, you know what, I'm done. And we hear kids all the time at 15 and 16 years old say this, I don't need you anymore. Well, one, they're spoiled and they're entitled, but they really feel like mom and dad are not offering me anything that is helping me in my world. Now, is that true? It's not. No. But perception but, is, yes. is truth yes. to the one who perceives it. And if a child perceives it to be that way, then I as a parent needs to go, you know what? It may be that I, I don't know what I'm saying to them, 
but I sure know what I want them to hear. And what I want them to hear is I have something to offer, and I need to change my style of doing that. Scripture says, uh, fathers, do not exasperate your children. And we, we can do that. Oh, yeah. Sometimes by holding them to standards that they feel like they can't attain, by by telling them that they need to embrace values that it's that is very tough in a world that is valueless, to ask them to do things. Sometimes we set the bar too high, we exasperate them, we provoke them to anger, and the response that we get back from them somewhere may be, you're fired because I don't need you. Well, let me tell you something. Your kids need you. We just need to change our style and engage with them in a different way. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, you can visit parentingtodaysteens.org, heartlightministries.org, or markgregston.com. Join us back here tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.